vision. Your paradigm is about to shift at the intersection of fact and reason. You're entering Kingston Country. I'm Dan Kingston, and you're listening to the Dan Kingston Podcast. Did anyone else express any concerns to you about this so-called irregular channel? I'm not sure how someone could characterize something as an irregular channel when you're talking to the President of the United States, the Secretary of State, the National Security Advisor, the Chief of Staff of the White House, the Secretary of Energy. I don't know how that's irregular if a bunch of uh, folks that are not in that channel are aggrieved for some reason for not being included. I don't know how they can consider us to be the irregular channel and they to be the regular channel when it's the leadership that makes the decisions. That's a bastard Gordon Sondland. with him that he wasn't fully telling us about all of the meetings that he was having. And he said to me, but I'm briefing the president. I'm briefing Chief of Staff Mulvaney. I'm briefing Secretary Pompeo, and I've talked to Ambassador Bolton. Who else do I have to deal with? He was being involved in a domestic political errand. And we were being involved in national security foreign policy. And those two things had just diverged. And that's Fiona Hill, former National Security Council official. Okay, I played you those two clips because I think they signify something really important about the testimony hearings. It shows Sondland, Ambassador Gordon Sondland, essentially saying, what are you talking about, a regular channel? It's Fiona Hill. It's Vinman. It's Yovanovitch. They're the irregular channel, not me. I'm the one working with the president. How can I be the irregular channel if I'm taking orders? From the president, working with Giuliani and Mulvaney and the people, uh, the, uh, the Amigo, Three Amigos, or, or what have you. They're working with the president because the president sets the agenda. The president is a leader of foreign policy. And you have the Fiona Hill is talking about her anger. She's upset at the president. It sounds like she's personally outraged that she didn't have the proper authority given to her because she's the expert. She's the career official. Who is this president anyway? This president of the United States. Who's the president of the United States to get in the way and to set the agenda, the foreign policy agenda? You're the same kind of thing, not to make light of it, but the whole UFO thing. You know, they don't even tell the president and you could be sitting there, one of these people saying, Dan Kingston, okay, you lost me there. But more likely, you know about the UFO phenomenon and that it's a mystery, but that it's a factual mystery that the military is working on and that there are secret deep state military programs, okay, that the president doesn't even know about. They keep the president in the dark every step of the way. This is what I'm trying to get at, okay? And so uh, for, to them... The president of the United States is the irregular channel They almost catch him slipping up and saying it that way. But instead, they, they, they say, no, 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 it's, it's Giuliani, it's Ambassador Sondland, it's the people that were working on the official policy that the president wanted. And what is this official policy anyway? You know, is it some horrible, horrible, corrupt thing the president wants to investigate? Corruption? I don't know if that's impeachable. Now, does it get ugly because the uh, candidate involved happens to be Joe Biden, the chief candidate running against him? It gets ugly. And the president of the United States should have known that's going to get ugly. I think Trump should have backed off, honestly. And not, I wouldn't have done that. But I'm not the president. 
So it doesn't come down to if he's ugly, does he do something you don't like? Does he do something unconventionally? Does he do something that a State Department official would say, oh, that's all right, I don't, li- I don't like that one. Okay, that's his choice to do it. And then the election, you know, the election happens and people can decide. You get to decide, right? And what people don't understand why his base is so loyal. They don't understand it because they, look, they say, look, how, how can you be so loyal to this guy? You know, they'll turn to different groups, like, for instance, the evangelical group, and they'll say, evangelicals, how can you, this is what the atheists will then talk to the evangelicals, the atheists on the MSM, mainstream media, you know, they'll say, evangelicals, I want to try to understand how, you know, I, I, how could you be supportive of President Trump when he's committed sin, not understanding that we are all sinners, not understanding we are all imperfect messengers. You don't need to follow organized religion to the T and be a fundamentalist to understand the truth that we're all imperfect. So um, you can't really criticize others for that, but the base is loyal because Trump is loyal back. See, he's loyal to you. That's why you're loyal to him. And, and they don't get it. They say, oh, he just panders to his base. It's a fine line, isn't it, between getting things done effectively and talking about getting things done. And then also, you know, uh, being criticized for not getting things done enough or not doing it the way I would have done or this kind of thing. And so they can throw wedges and they try to throw wedges at the base to try to chip away support from the president. Like Pete Buttigieg, for instance, got caught in a lie. I don't know if you saw that. We're going to go into the Democrat debates, but here's a little teaser. Pete Buttigieg got in a lie talking about how Trump stole money from veterans. Well, that's been a fact check, politifact, falsehood, a lie. Now, whether that was purposely spread or not, I don't know, but NBC didn't correct it at the debate. And he just got away with it. Pete Buttigieg got away with it. So they do stuff like that to chip away support from the base to attempt to. Not understanding themselves that we support Trump because he is loyal. And you can't go into his intentions and his motivations of anybody, of anyone. As soon as you do that, you're doomed to fail. All you can look at are the actions. So what's the difference between a fake smile and a real smile? Because science proves a fake smile still makes you happy. That's true. If you fake smile long enough, you actually get the endorphins released in your face. You'll actually start getting happy. So this is a situation we're in when you have the regular channels is called the irregular channel and the irregular channel is called the regular channel. And, uh, you know, you're completely lost. What do you make of it? Essentially, they're saying the president doesn't have authority to choose national security. And, you know, a lot of people have made the point. I think, I don't know what you think about this. This is going to be something controversial, I think, to you. Because Russia doesn't seem to me uh, like the threat they used to be. Nothing, nothing like it. I mean, their GDP is equivalent to Italy, I saw. It's tiny. They, they, who knows? I mean, the nuclear weapons, I bet they don't work. I've mentioned that before, but the Putin is all about fluffing his chest. And why are we so worried about the Russia containment and the the Russia, uh, 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 you know, they keep talking about national security and vital Ukraine's vital to our national security. Nothing against Ukraine. 
they seem like nice people. Certainly, compared to the Russians, the Ukrainians are angels, uh, right? So, yeah, I, I want them on our side. But it's like, defend the Kurds, defend the Kurds. And I was like, defend the Ukrainians, and defend the Ukrainians. And, you know, I had a guest, Corsi. What's his name? Jack Corsi, Ryan Corsi, Jerome Corsi, making a brilliant point. How many troops have we sent to Israel? And yet they're our number one ally. And believe me, I'm not making the point to send more troops to Israel. No, no, believe me, no. But, I, I, but what I'm saying is that even our, our closest ally, we don't send troops over there. Send military equipment, fine, fine. And that's what we ended up doing. So we ended up helping the Ukrainians, but it was Obama who didn't send them. And for everybody that hates Obama, that was the right choice. The right choice is not to send the assistance, or at least to be highly skeptical of sending any kind of assistance, foreign military assistance, because it always gets used back on us. And the deep state, it sounds crazy to you because of the right-wing Republican spin, but they were pressuring Obama at every whim, including Hillary Clinton, the neo-libs, and the neocons, getting him to try to engage in Libya, to engage in Syria, yes, and engage in Ukraine against Russia. And Obama was a, a he ran on, on being a pacifist. I don't care how you spin it. Yes, he increased drone strikes for the benefit of attacking ISIS. He didn't do enough. Trump came in there and he cleaned up ISIS. He did what needed to be done to clean up ISIS. That's what we elected Trump to do, to do what Obama wouldn't do, to go in there and to get ISIS out, stronger military presence, attacking the terrorists, not, not these endless war games that Joe Biden wants and Elizabeth Warren secretly votes for. And these people want to get us into endless war, and it's constant. It's the deep state. It's the military-industrial complex it's ingrained into the DNA of the politicians serving in office and the ones trying to win over your support. Be skeptical of the military-industrial complex, just like Eisenhower said. But even more importantly, be skeptical of the globalists, the warmongering globalists. And let's go back to America first. Okay, now I want to play you a clip from GOP in Black. He's a listener to this podcast. Thank you, every one of you listening to this podcast. You can call in, and I want you to leave a message. You can do it from your device. There's a link in the description to this podcast. Click on it. Leave your voice message. Here's uh, GOP in black. What do I think about Trump tweeting during the impeachment process? I see nothing wrong with it. The reason I don't is because I believe Twitter now is a current platform where we can express our political expressions in a current modern era. And I just think that we're in a time where these particular things were not available to individuals. So as these things come available, there's going to be different things that take place in different dynamics. Um, I think the left is used to platforms where they have 100% closed caption control. The brutal attacks that they've had have really just caused any American with any alternative views to receive nothing but complete strikes, attacks with uneducated political nuances. It's true. It's absolutely right. You have Twitter blocking freedom of speech. You have Facebook blocking freedom of speech, the First Amendment. They're American companies. They should at least be morally bound 
you have Sasha Baron Cohen, European. I don't know where he's where he's from. He talks like he's Englishman. You know the Borat guy. Borat. This is Borat, and he's his uh, Hollywood uh, elitist types. At first, I thought he's talking about defending the First Amendment, freedom of speech. I'm just like, okay, good for Borat. I thought he's a funny guy, like his movies. Then I figure it out. It's it's not that at all. He's saying that uh, Jack Dorsey and Zuckerberg aren't doing enough to restrict speech. He has it all twisted, of course, because he's a European. The Europeans have contempt for our Constitution. It's sick, and they hate it. And they're they're brainwashing the left into hating our Constitution, whether it's the First Amendment, Second Amendment, Fourth Amendment. And I don't just mean by the left, but mostly it's under attack from the left. But whoever's attacking the Constitution, that's the mistake. Somebody asked me, you know, are you right? Are you left? That kind of thing. I believe in the Constitution. This is a, a constitutional republic. That's my party. You could say I'm a constitutionalist. Fine. I'm more of a libertarian. Stay out of my damn way and and make life better for the people by staying out of the way. Okay. In in this reality, yes, there's things the politicians, I guess, should do to try to make life better for us. But frankly, they've just been messing it up. All they do, they get the more involved they get, the more they mess it up. So either you got to shake it up, totally put in new people in there that have a kind of completely new mentality and philosophy, or just stop them from doing anything altogether, put up roadblocks, even more roadblocks than the founders already established, which was genius. Because let's face it, let's face it, we have to protect ourselves from ourselves, and that's what the founding fathers understood best. So Bolton is back on Twitter claiming the White House blocked his access after he was fired. The White House denies it, and there's speculation, how is this even possible? How can the White House block access to Twitter? And then he's, you know, the White House is denying it, so somebody's caught in a lie, and it's, it's frankly, it's bizarre that the White House has an ability to block Twitter access. I, I think that's kind of weird. Don't you? How would that happen? How would that work? So uh, here's a clip of Bolton. He just has you know, come out from under his, his rock, the mustache man. You could say the, uh, the show's not over till the mustache man sings, right? Sorry, they're trying to stop me from testifying. Uh, I don't know what you'll have to ask the White House, but I can say definitively we have regained control of the Twitter account. Twitter detached the White House software. Okay, thank you. Twitter detached the White House software. So he's claiming the White House put software on his phone to block him from using Twitter. But couldn't he have logged into a, a desktop or a laptop? I don't know. That's a hole in the story, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I think Bolton's full of shit. I think he's a backstabber. I think he's a traitor. I think he's treasonous. I, I hope he doesn't catch on to any of my tweets or my hashtags or that because he, I'm sure he'll sue the hell out of me. But you know what? I'm not afraid of Bolton because the truth is on your side. That's what my attorney always says. He says, you know, look, you think it's easy just coming out here and having a podcast. And you, The First Amendment only gets you so far. You, you get outed by your family, by your friends. And people say, you're, you know, what are you doing? And they don't understand because they've been brainwashed so much themselves. Don't you see? The truth You'll always do better that way. At least, I mean, nine times out of ten, right? You don't want to get caught in a lie. 
And it's always the cover-up that's worse than the crime. That's why Trump was brilliant, releasing the transcript of the phone call right away, just getting it out there, letting everybody see it. Okay? And Bolton, I, I keep an eye on him. You know, people are saying, oh, Bolton's going to uh, backstab the president. Well, I was saying that months ago. The day he was fired, I said, watch out for Bolton. The whole defend the Kurds, abandoning Syria. Bolton was all behind all that talk. So watch out for that guy. It's just pompous walking through with his mustache. Jeez. Why did why did he hire? I mean, I talked about it in earlier podcasts. I know to appease the military industrial complex, to appease the deep state, the architect of the axis of evil, Bolton himself, king of the military industrial complex. Yes, to appease that wing of the government, fine, but it was a mistake. It turned out to be a mistake because this guy, you couldn't keep him close. He's too slithery of a snake to keep close to you, and uh, even for Trump. So here we go. What's What are we going to do about Bolton? And he's releasing a book, and it just makes me sick. But we do have good news because the Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horwitz has found evidence that an FBI lawyer manipulated a key investigative document related to the FBI's secretive surveillance of a Trump campaign advisor, Carter Page. Remember Carter Page and that secret surveillance. Of course, these FBI FISA abuses politically motivated. They're clear violations of the Fourth Amendment. Of course, nobody even cares about that. Nobody talks about that. It's unconstitutional, the whole FISA, FBI FISA process in general. just goes to a a rubber stamp judge. This is not constitutional, people. This is what the outrage should be, but nobody cares. Nobody cares in the media about that part of it. No, no, no. Inspector General report will be released on December 9th, and there will be a hearing on December 11th. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Look, look, don't get your hopes up. I know everybody's saying prison, prison. Everybody wants everyone to get locked up right and left. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen because that if you really want to see a civil war in this country, you start locking up these queer uh, pol- political types and you just have before long, everybody's going to be in jail. There'll be nobody left. I mean, maybe that's a good thing. I'm, I'm not arguing against that. I'm saying it's not going to happen because the power is at bay. Everyone gets protected. Anyway, they manipulated a key investigative document related to Carter Page. So much so that it altered the meaning of the document. To wrap this up, let's talk a little bit about the Democratic debates. Did you catch any of those pretty different from the other debates, I think, in that the Democrats seem to be a little bit getting in their lane, figuring out where they each stand, not getting on their toes, each other's toes so much, and delivering kind of a clear message, which is mostly crazy and on the fringe talking about Medicare for all, which with $23 trillion debts, completely unaffordable talking about the country in terms of different groups and, and dividing and conquering and the group think mentality, just anybody differing at all gets shot down and you can get an example of this. Here's a clip of Cory Booker who had the courage to stand up to Elizabeth Warren's crazy wealth tax that nobody in the know is saying is sustainable, and yet nobody's in the know, so it doesn't matter at all. Cory Booker, though, is a smart guy. 
And he's the Democrats, are, you know, they're not listening. They're not giving him any credit. They're not li- listening to him at all. In fact, they're attacking him for this clip when he makes complete sense, which is a rarity for a liberal, right? Tax the way we're putting it forward right now. The wealth tax, I'm sorry, it's cumbersome. It's been tried by other nations. It's hard to evaluate. We can get the same amount of revenue through just taxation. But again, we as Democrats have got to start talking not just about how we tax from a stage, but how we grow wealth in this country amongst those disadvantaged communities that are not seeing it. Look at VC dollars in this country. 75% of them go to three metropolitan areas. There is worth in the inner city. There is value in our rural areas. If I am president of the United States, we're going to have a fair, just taxation where millionaires and billionaires pay their fair share. But dear God, we're going to have pathways to prosperity for more Americans. There's worth in our inner cities and there's worth in our rural communities. There's worth in this country beyond just Silicon Valley and New York and L.A. And I think this is the one Democrat I've really heard talking about growing wealth, growing the economy. How do we have that message as a Democrat? They don't talk about that. That's why you're a Republican. Or maybe you're not. Maybe you're a conservative. Or maybe you're a Trumpite. Maybe you're a a patriot, a a MAGA party member, right? You could be all those things, an independent. Whatever you are, you're listening to this podcast because you want to break through the mold. And you're hearing something different. You're hearing something that you feel in your heart is right, that there's more connecting us than dividing us. We're living in such a divided time, such an ugly time. But the the, the part in that clip I didn't play you is Elizabeth Warren shooting him down, cutting him down like a parrot, like a robot, just a, a complete professor in the worst kind of way being lectured down to, can you imagine having her lecturing down to you? She epitomizes the elite, the globalist. She pretends to be a Bernie Sanders, who, by the way, I'm watching the debates with my wife, and I'm saying, Bernie Sanders, I said to my wife, you know what? He, it would be an amazing F you to the system in the same way that Donald Trump was. I would love the Democrats to nominate Bernie Sanders. It would be just an amazing F you. I would love it. And to have Bernie Sanders go up against Donald Trump, here's, you know, yeah, yeah, his politics are crazy, but he represents something authentic about the end of elite globalist control over this country, the end of the military industrial complex, the end of the Wall Street, the end of the Silicon Valley elitists. Right. Because at the end of the day, that's what's responsible for the immigration crisis and the health crisis and the housing crisis and the twenty three trillion dollar debt crisis. Our constitutional republic works in crude ways. We need sometimes to send a message and it's a crude message. Sometimes the messenger is imperfect himself, but it's what's needed at the time. Meanwhile, the front runner, the so-called front runner, I don't know. Is he still the front runner at this point? I don't even know. I don't think he is. But here's Biden talking about domestic violence. Has a right to raise a hand to a woman in anger other than 
is self-defense, and that rarely ever occurs. And so we have to just change the culture, period, and keep punching at it and punching at it and punching at it. It will be a big... Per- no, I really mean it. You can hear the audience starts laughing because he's saying punching at it, punching at it, punching at it, but he's talking about a domestic violence question and raising a hand towards a woman, he says... Uh, is never okay, but then he's like, oh, wait, but in self-defense. But but that's very rare. That's very rare. Yeah, it's rare. Why would you even mention it? It's kind of a weird thing to mention. Like, um, But okay, beyond that, the punching it and punching it and punching it, and he seems not to notice that people are laughing because he's talking about domestic violence and raising a hand towards a woman in, in anger. And then he says, we got to punch and punch and punch at this problem how does he not understand that people are laughing at him? So there you go. That's a supposed front runner. Elizabeth Warren's a real front runner, but she's a phony, and people see right through it. As soon as she's elected, you know, I, the the travesty is that she will be nominated because Bernie's he'll likely have to endorse her to be forced to endorse her. You know, she's stolen his Medicare for all plan, but these things that. He touts, and he would actually send the the kind of the, the the real panic through the system that we would just love. You know, I bet you would love it, even wherever you stand politically. Don't you love it when the elites get scared and and start running up to their you know their barricaded houses on the hills or mansions, and they're lecturing you about and you're using too much energy. Meanwhile, they're living in their you know huge huge uh, compounds, underground missile silos that have every kind of luxury you could imagine. And they're telling you that you take a shower too long, your shower is too long, right? So that's, uh, that's what Warren represents, the, the professor of the elites. And she's a phony. She doesn't believe it. That's what, what I'm trying to say. She'll turn on them so fast and just be a sellout. She'll just be like every one of those neolibs. She's a neolib con at heart. I was a former Democrat myself before I became more of a libertarian constitutionalist, you could say. And so I have a special insight. And you can hear that when I talk about them. I'm not just demonizing. I'm actually giving them a shot. I like Yang because I think Yang is a real populist appeal. What we need is outside-the-box thinking, and we need to get out of the group think. And we're never going to do that by electing an Elizabeth Warren type who's just a copycat phony of a true independent thinker who I'm not going to demonize, whose name is Bernie Sanders. I know sometimes you think it's crazy. Sometimes I say nice things about Obama. Sometimes I say nice things about Bernie Sanders. But at the end of the day, that's that's what you like because you like hearing different points of view. And ultimately, to me, the whole far left, right, Republican, Democrat paradigm is a phony, fake one. It doesn't exist today if it had ever existed at all besides the means to control us. So I do believe that it, the real helpful paradigm to think about is the elites, the globalist, warmongering elites, those that have been brainwashed by those elites, and the rest of us, you and me, wherever you fall politically, we're in this together. And I appreciate your listenership. I appreciate it so much. All the people, thank you for reaching out to me, however you have, by Twitter, by email, calling in, leaving a voicemail, 
however you've communicated, well, it's working. And it's it's really making a difference. It makes a difference to me, and it makes a difference to this show. Keep doing what you're doing and telling a friend because we are growing these podcast charts, and people are going to have to listen to us. Finally, finally, people are listening. to They're already listening to us, and that's thanks to Trump, right? So let's keep this going. Let's. This is one of the few podcasts that I think you could honestly say it's your political podcast. So tell a friend, tell everybody you know, and I'll be back with an exciting podcast in just a few days, bringing together a bunch of folks from different backgrounds, call-in guests, talking about their view of what's going on politically. But the thing that wraps all these people together is a framework of young people and how this is affecting young people. And so that's a, a teaser of the next episode. Subscribe, stay tuned, tell a friend. Thanks for listening. Kingston Country. You've been listening to the Dan Kingston Podcast. 